I am uh, excited to be with you this morning, and um, we're starting a new series called Translating Love for Today. And the next few weeks, we'll be looking at love, and um, each uh, sermon is based on a different song title, and so today's is You Give Love a Bad Name. Um, So (laughs) uh, excited about that. Um, But the English language isn't... Uh, super helpful when it comes to the word love, because one word can be used to describe so many different things. You know, I love my husband and my kids. I love pizza, uh, 40 serving love for you tennis buffs out there. Um, A lot of different things that it can mean. And so there's uh, different connotations with the word love, different definitions, levels. And there are a lot of different people and things uh, that would that want to define what love is. And um, a lot of times I think music can play a big role in our understanding of love and how we think about it. And so for me, I'm not a huge music buff, but I was raised on the Backstreet Boys. Anybody? Anybody, A few of you out there? Um, And so one of their um, love songs was called As Long As You Love Me. And the chorus of that song, it's going to be on the screen, it said... Um, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me. So sweet, right? So romantic. Um, But not really that practical, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to relationships, because it takes a little more than just love, you know, to make a relationship work. And so, um, catchy song, but, you know, maybe not not 100% practical. Um, but in preparing for this message, I Googled, what are some of the greatest love songs of all time? And, and there were a couple that I, I recognized. I was like, I at least know the chorus to that song. And, and one that, that stood out to me was Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Um, to be honest, I've really ever only known the chorus because, you know, it, it just says, I will always love you again and again and again. Um, and I, you know, I've sang it to my friends, I've sang it to my husband, I, you know, it's kind of a joke, I always love you. And um, I always thought it was this, you know, great song, just the message of my heart. And then I started reading the lyrics and what she's really singing about is someone that she was in this relationship with and she knew it wasn't a good relationship to be in. So she decides to leave, but she wants him to know I'm always gonna love you. And she says it again and again. Um, but what I think, what I realized is that um, what I thought was the sweet and romantic lyric was actually kind of heartbreaking. Um, so that was my revelation of the week. Um, and then the song that today's sermon is based off of is Bon Jovi's You Give Love, a bad name. Back in the day, I rocked that song on Guitar Hero. Um, it's been a while, but um, to refresh my memory, I went back and looked at the lyrics as I was preparing for today. And one lyric that stood out to me Uh, was where he says, chains of love got a hold on me when passion is a prison you can't break free. And I think that lyric uh, really fits today's scripture passage and our our big idea. Um, Because when when your passion is a prison, you give love a bad name. But when your passions yield to God's design, you'll give love a good name. Um, Love it can be a difficult word to understand, um, like we've just said, but knowing how to love is something we also have to uh, work at. Um, and so being a new year, I think we all could use a little refresher and reminder this morning of how do we love others well? How do we give love a good name? Um, we, can, we have to be careful 
and think of what sources we look at to define love because uh, what we look at, if it's music or poetry or movies, when we let those things uh, define love for us, it can affect the way that we love others. And if we look to the wrong sources, uh, it can cause us to come up short in the way that we, um, that we love the people around us. Um, and so we turn to the Bible. We turn to God as our source of inspiration. And even in the Bible, it takes work to work through what does love really mean. And you may not realize it, but the Bible is full of stories of what love isn't. <laughs> and I think we can equally learn a lot of good things from those stories. Um, there's a lot of information in the Bible about what love, um, what is a bad example of love? What do we not want to do? And today we're looking at probably one of the worst stories, I think, in that category. It's a brutal story about what love is not, and um, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat it, and so we're not going to either this morning. Um, it's, a, it's a story that happened thousands of years ago, but I think if you heard it today and it happened today, you wouldn't be that shocked if you saw these in the, in the news headlines and the stories. And so um, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 13. I'm not going to read the whole story, but I am going to share with you what happens as we go, uh, as we move on this morning. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, it says, David's son Amnon fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom. And you read that sentence like, you don't know the context, that sounds really great, right? It's like the beginning of a Hallmark movie, um, all the warm and fuzzies, it's a great thing, right? And um, the English language, again, it doesn't help us much in knowing the rest of the story. It just says that he fell in love. Um, so we have to keep going. Uh, in the rest of verse 1, it says, uh, David's son Amnon fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, who was also David's son. Now you kind of see the problem. <laughs> um, so... Let's remember that this story took place in a culture that is very different from our own. Um, King David had several wives, which is another problem for another day. Um, Amnon was the oldest son by one of his wives, and then Absalom was the third son by another wife. Um, it's not entirely clear, but I, a lot of scholars believe that it was permissible and possible for a brother to marry a half-sister in this culture, but the Bible is clear that it was not allowed. It was not part of God's plan. But we don't let that get in the way sometimes, right? We Sometimes it's easy to think, I know better than God when it comes to my relationships and love. I kind of, I know what I'm doing. Um, and so King David, he knew God's laws. He knew God's rules on love and relationships. And um, he didn't always follow them. He was already guilty of breaking God's law by sleeping with another woman, with Bathsheba, and then having um, her husband killed um, after, after committing that. So we have this young man, Amnon, and he's heir to the throne of King David, and he falls in love with his half-sister Tamar. And the text actually says that he's sick with love. <laughs> he's so in love that it makes him sick. He has this burning passion. Um, and he has this friend named Jonadab, and he sees that Amnon's distraught and something's going on. He's like, man, what's going on, man? What, what's wrong? And Amnon says in verse 4, I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. And so Jonadab says, hey, 
I've got this great plan. So when your dad comes to check on you, I want you to pretend like you're sick and I want you to tell him that you want Tamar to come fix you some food. You can watch her cook it. She can feed you. It's a little creepy, right? I, I don't know. I, I think Amnon, another lesson in this is really be careful with the friends that you have that are giving you advice. Because Amnon could have heard that and been like, no, that I, you know, that great plan, but no thanks. But no, Amnon, he hears that and he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And so he talks to his dad and he says all those things. Uh, Tamar comes in, she's fixing him food. And while she's doing that, Amnon commands that everyone else in the room leave. And as she's finishing preparing the food, she comes to feed him and he grabs her and she demands that he have sex with him, that she have sex with him. And so now we're beginning to see how he defines the word love, right? Um, I'm betting most of us are, are pretty repulsed at, at his actions and his words. Um, that isn't love. We know instinctively that um, that's not what love should be, but Amnon is this man burning with passion. And Tamar, she's a woman of integrity. She's incredibly brave because she doesn't have any rights in the situation. Um, and so she... Uh, refuses him, and she reminds him, you're my brother. And she comes up with this plan. She begs him, don't do this thing. What you need to do, you need to go talk to uh, my father and, um, you know, ask him to give me to you because you can be my husband. We can do this the right way, um, and and this will be great. And, and Amnon, he doesn't, he's just burning with passion, and he can't uh, control that. And so he um, he doesn't listen to her, and um, he ends up uh, raping her. And what gets even worse is that um, the next verse says in verse 15, but then Amnon felt intense hatred for her. In fact, his hatred for her was greater than the love he had felt for her. And so he told her to get out of here. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> his hatred was now more intense than his love how can someone be so in love with someone with a passion so intense that it makes you sick one moment and then the next moment you hate them? It's because Amnon doesn't know what love is. And then if you keep reading in verse 21, it says, when King David heard about all this, he got very angry, but he refused to punish his son Amnon because he loved him as his oldest son. Man, what does love mean? <laughs> What a warped view of love that we get from this story in so many different ways. Um, but I think we see it today. We see it, uh, parents who say they love their children, but they don't hold them accountable for the wrong things they do. And people that walk around thinking that they love someone because they feel this intense passion for them, but love isn't passion. The act of, that act of passion in the story has dire consequences for God's kingdom and for Israel. It brings about civil war in the house of David. Um, later on, you'll see that Absalom, he, um, Tamar's brother, he kills Amnon because of what he did. He wants revenge and he burns with passion to kill him. And we see the beginning of uh, the downfall of David's kingdom. Um, really, we saw it earlier. It started with David uh, failing to keep God's law and sleeping with Bathsheba and having Uriah killed. Um, this family, they don't get it right. They give love a bad name in so many ways. Um, they don't follow God's command. And, and maybe you hear that story and you think, well, that's a terrible story. <laughs> um, let's move on. But I think that when we look at that, we see these uh, 
warped views of love and these um, really bad uh, expressions of love, and we can learn from that to do better. And um, how can we give love a good name? Again, our big idea today is that you'll give love a good name when your passions submit to God's design. So the story is bad. It's hard. (laughs) Um, You see, uh, David knew God's plans. He knew God's rules. He didn't follow them. He didn't have his children uphold God's rules either. Uh, But here's the good news for us, that in spite of this broken family, God promises to restore the throne of David with a king who will redeem who will redeem them with a king who knew how to translate love correctly and who yielded to God's design, who gave love a good name. And so we turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament and we see this new king, Jesus, teaching us about what love truly is. When the Bible speaks about love, and especially when Jesus speaks about love, uh, it speaks more about giving than receiving. It's about uh, what are we willing to lose for the sake of another person How much of my own freedom am I willing to give up instead of demanding freedom? Um, In Matthew 22, Jesus says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, that you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, when Jesus uh, defines love, it is more about giving a gift than receiving a gift. It's a choice to do something for others, even if nothing is given to you in return. Um, It's taking your passion and directing it to bless others. Um, And the problem is, I think, with love (laughs) is that sometimes we have this false belief that it's supposed to be easy. And so when it gets hard, um, we don't give love a good name. You know, we... we, uh, If it's loving our spouse, if it's loving our friends, if it's loving our enemies, uh, it takes work. And um, it's a choice, and it's time-consuming, and it takes discipline, but uh, we know that anything of great value takes work. I'm going to invite the the band up as as we sort of finish up this morning, and I wanted to take a moment to really reflect on your own life and how uh, you might have given love a bad name. How can you give love a good name? Uh, going forward. Um, I believe that there's people in this room today and there's people watching online that have deep wounds from other people who have not yielded their passions to God's design. You carry scars of people who have misused the word love. I'm going to be a bit vulnerable this morning and just share with you part of my story. Um, When I was in high school, there was three years that I was in a situation where I was sexually harassed by a man who was the the father of one of my good friends. And it was a really difficult situation. And when I finally got out of it, it took another three years before I began to realize the immense effects that it had had on my life. And then I spent another couple of years in counseling and doing hard work to find healing and forgiveness and freedom. And at that point, I was 22. That was 12 years ago. And even today, the consequences of the choices that he made still affect me. Um, I still have to choose forgiveness and freedom from the lies that his actions made me believe about myself. Um, But I am victorious in Christ. Um, And I believe that there's people here and people listening today that have experienced that type of pain, and too often we don't talk about it. Um, And so I want to be real with you and talk about it. (laughs) Uh, Wherever you are in your journey, if you're in the midst of a really terrible situation 
or if you're out of that and you're trying to move forward to find healing and peace and forgiveness and freedom, I want you to hear this truth that Jesus wants to give you those things. He sees you. If you need help getting out of a bad situation, please reach out to someone today. Don't tell yourself, oh, it's not a big deal, or I'll never get out of the situation, so I might as well get used to it, or any other lie that you've been telling yourself. Reach out to someone around you. And for those of you who want to this morning, the altar is going to be open uh, for you to come and be prayed for and anointed for healing. Um, No matter how broken you may feel, I I pray that you hear this, that um, God wants to cover you in his presence, in his peace, in his love, and in his healing. And so I invite you to come this morning and, uh, and encounter him. But one more thing I want to share for others in the room as well is that about two years ago, I got a phone call that that man had passed away. And I hadn't seen him in about 10 years. And hearing that news made me think about a couple of things. Uh, first of all, it, it, made me think, it made me realize that he was standing before God and being held accountable for his actions. Um, that's another sermon for another day. But, uh, but to know that, he, that God was dealing with that, that I knew God saw me in my pain and he held him accountable for causing that. That was comforting. But it also made me realize that I would one day stand before God and have to give an account for my actions. And I've never hurt someone quite like he hurt me, but I know that my words and my actions have hurt other people, intentionally or not. And I know that one day I will have to stand in front of God, and I know that I am just as in need of God's grace and mercy as he was. Um, And so I pray that you would open your heart this morning and see if God, if he's convicting you about something that that you're doing that you need to change, um, The altar is open for you as well to pray for you and to anoint you for healing. Um, I pray that you would receive God's grace and forgiveness and uh, walk in repentance. Make things right where you can, but to do better and to be better going forward. Um, May we give love a good name this year in 2021. Um, So the altar is open. Let's worship.